Star Wars 7x7 episode 2416. Today, the first of a two-part conversation with a repeat guest on the show. His name is Nick Martorelli. He is the executive producer of Penguin Random House Audio, and we're going to talk about creating a whole new audiobook environment for the Star Wars High Republic books. Punch it. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod, and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy, and thank you so much for joining me for it. So, Nick Martorelli has been on the show before. He is an executive producer with Penguin Random House Audio, which means that he is responsible in large part for the logistics of the creation of all the Star Wars audiobooks that you know and love. But something that we've never talked about on the show is just what exactly that entails. And so we're gonna kick off the conversation because of the fact that they are creating these new audiobooks for the High Republic publishing initiative. And because it doesn't take place in the Star Wars timeline with which we're all familiar, they have to create an audiobook experience that is both familiar in the sense that it feels like Star Wars, but also different in that it is a whole new era. And so we're gonna start the conversation by diving into what it exactly means to be an executive producer on these things, and then pursue the conversation in terms of the High Republic in specific. So without further ado, Let's dive into my conversation with Nick Martorelli, executive producer with Penguin Random House Audio. Nick Martorelli, welcome back to Star Wars 7x7. How are you today? I'm doing well, Alan. Thank you. I'm excited to be back. You know, I was just thinking about the fact that the first time I had you on the show, which is, I blush to think how many years ago it was, when I was actually having trouble wrapping my tongue around Martorelli, we talked about the, you know, very Italian pronunciation nick martorelli you know Martere, exactly say, yeah, say every say every say every letter and bounce on it a bit yep. <laughs> uh it's been so much easier since then for sure <laughs> and i'm so grateful that you are continuing to come back even though i have been wrestling with that <laughs> Look, you know, that that's what we do in the audiobook world. You know, it's just, just it's just a constant struggle to say everything correctly and then fix it when you said it wrong. So it's absolutely what it's all about. <laughs> well, you're back here to talk about an entirely new era of Star Wars storytelling with the High Republic. So the three books that have been out uh, so far or have been released so far are Light of the Jedi for the adult audience, A Test of Courage for the middle grade audience, and... Uh, as we're recording this just yesterday, Into the Dark, the YA novel by Claudia Gray has been released. And audiobook versions, of course, of all of them have been released as well. So since we are diving into a brand new era of Star Wars storytelling, let's start at the beginning with you. I don't think we've ever really talked about some of this meta kind of stuff on the podcast. But for those who don't know about the process of audiobook production and creation, you are an executive producer. What does an executive producer do when it comes to the creation of an audiobook? What a great question. So um, oh, thank my, you. <laughs> <laughs> um, my job at Penguin Random House Audio is to basically oversee the entire production of the book. So that will start with me, you know, being assigned a, a, a book, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, listening library for you know kids 
adult for adults, you know, whatever it is. Um, and I will, I am in charge of reading it, coming up with casting ideas, who should be the voice of this book. If it's got multimedia elements, if it's got multiple narrators, it's up to me to sort of like take a stab on how we want to do that. What three narrators are we going to use? Kind of, you know, the, 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 the overall pitch of what the audiobook is going to be like. And then I open a dialogue with the author because, uh, you know, and I write to the author and I'm like, hey, I loved your book. Here is what I want to do. Here are the people I want to hire. Here's how I want to treat all the crazy stuff you have. What do you think? And then the author and I go back and forth to uh, get them to, uh, you know, sign off on my casting. Uh, yes, I like that idea how you're going to, you know, I wrote music notes in, in the book. How are you going to do that kind of an adaptation? So things like that. Uh, and then from there, I will reach out to the actors we've chosen, make sure that they have time in their schedule, book a studio if necessary. Uh, and we, we have, you know, I have a, a pre-production team, a production team, and a post-production team that helps with all this. Hmm. But basically, we then, uh, you know, I oversee, like, making sure a schedule is set, a studio is booked. I hire a director to work on the book with them. And then I keep the communication open with the author. How should we say all these names? You talk to this person for your nonfiction book. How do you say their name? Things like that. Um, and then the book records. The book, that's production, book records. I field any questions that come up during those days. And then once it's edited, it goes to QC, quality control, where someone sits with the PDF, listens to the book, and makes note of any changes. That, the, that, that have been made. And then those notes come back to me and it's up to me to say, oh, well, he said to a street instead of the street, that's fine. We can let that one go. That's an okay change. And then it's like, oh no, he missed a don't. And he said, do, that changes the meaning of the sentence. We need to fix this. Hmm. Uh, so all of those questions come down to me and then we get pickups from the actor and then re-edit, you know, cut them in approve the book and it's my job to make sure that's all done in time to make sure that it's on sale holy so that's cow. the <laughs> <laughs> yes that's the entire process for a single book and at any one time i probably got like 12 to 20 books that are at various stages of that process wow wow and you know, so like some, you know, like, for instance, this week, there's like two or three books I need to read to start talking to the author. There's two or three books where I'm already talking to the author. There's two or three books where we're scheduling the actor. There are two or three books recording. There are two or three books being edited. And then there are two or three books that I'm doing QC notes on. So that's sort of how it all sort of tracks out. My goodness. Um, are you a devotee of the Evelyn Woods School of Speed Reading also? <laughs> uh that is a, that can be part of the challenge to sort of like uh you know read through all these books get a sense of the voice sort of and you know and uh there uh, i should also say there's i think there's uh, like 14 producers on the prha staff so we're all working on this number of books we're all sort of going through and we all have like we help each other out with casting we all have tricks about how to get through the um get through the books we have to read you know things like that how long have you been doing this? Um, I think I, I think it's been about, it's like four years, a little, little over four years. Wow. 
and clearly you love it. I mean, I every time I've talked to you about it, like your enthusiasm, both on the record and off the record, as we've had conversations <laughs> before and after recordings, has been just fantastic. Oh man, it's so much fun! Like I am so, I am so lucky and blessed and thrilled to do something that is this much fun, and and that and that like really, really speaks to my interests and talents so well you know <laughs> obviously there are days when it feels like work but there are those other days which is like this is i i get to i get to read for my job and work with actors like it's just such fun <laughs> so when you first heard about this new thing called the high republic do you remember your initial you know reactions experience what you thought about it I do. I remember um, hearing the first whisperings about this at, um, it was Star Wars Celebration. Mm. When was that? 2019. Yes. Um, and I was told what, the, what, the, what, this, what this secret project was going to be. And I remember thinking like, this is just such a cool opportunity. Like it's so, it's so neat. It's so exciting. You know, every every new bit of, of of story that Star Wars has been telling in the last, you know, call it five, six, seven years, has sort of really been pinning in and around existing material, whether it's, you know, whether it's Tarkin, whether it's Rebels, whether it's Mandalorian, or whether it's the sequel trilogy. Like, we're all, like, it's, we're all linking into this, this greater, this greater thing. And that's awesome. And I love that kind of stuff. And now here is what I thought was a really cool project of, like, we're going to go into a whole new era. So, you know, the characters are different. The planets are different. And what it kind of gives is that it gives that, like, anything can happen kind of vibe, mm -hmm. which I really, really like. You know, there are, you know, because even when we're, even when we were doing stuff like uh, when we were working on Dooku Jedi Lost, you know, it's a character, you know, who's in these new environments, but he's still going to eventually become the character we know. Right. So... You know, spoiler alert, Dooku doesn't die in general. <laughs> he can't. Right. But those guarantees don't exist in the High Republic. And right. this this thing is constantly um it's it's far more exciting, I think, than than something that well, not not exciting, but like it gives new possibilities of of what can happen and what can go on and, and what you can see and meet. Exactly. Yeah, I feel the same way about it. The stakes suddenly become a lot higher because you just don't know. And I mean, Charles Sewell killed off a couple of significant characters in Light of the Jedi that were just introduced in that novel. And the way they're positioned, you think, oh, okay, yeah, these are pretty important characters. And wham, they're gone by the end of the novel. And it is kind of shocking. An excellent point. And once that happens, then you start thinking, Oh wait, what about these other Jedi that I really liked mm -hmm. for the for the last eighty pages? Like they're not safe. Yeah, exactly. And then when you get into subsequent novels as well, it's you know, well, they can create as many characters as they want, really, because it's a grand era of the Jedi. So they've got <laughs> comparatively <laughs> unlimited numbers at their disposal that they can introduce if they need to. Exactly. So um, you did give a fantastic summary of the production process 
earlier on and it was one of the questions i was going to ask you is whether it is sort of like movie production ish in terms of a pre-production and a production and a post-production so i'm just going to jump straight into more detail on the pre-production side of things um and ask about how you prepare for the high republic audiobooks so in thinking of the first three that have been done so far has the preparation process for that differed from the way that you normally prepare for a Star Wars audiobook production? Like, what did you have to get in place for it that might have been different for what you would have to get in place for a regular Star Wars audiobook? We did do a little bit more of pre-production on these uh, in in kicking off in kicking off a High Republic and kicking off this new era. Um, we had a little taste of this with the first Thrawn Ascendancy book, where you know that book, we uh, I, I talked I talked to uh, the the director and producer Kevin Thompson about it, and like that book is set, you know the the opening pages a long time ago beyond a galaxy far far away. Yeah, and so we talked about this, you know, in this sense where it's like we kind of want this like new flavor in Star Wars audiobooks, you know, like this is. One of one of the beautiful things about the audiobooks is that the sound effects and the music really give you that sense of familiarity with the universe. We know what these things sound like. We know the music cues. So when we hear it, it's like, ah, yes, of course we belong. You know, we are we we understand that this is a Star Wars thing. Right. And Thrawn was one of the first tastes we had of well, this necessarily doesn't necessarily shouldn't feel like Star Wars. Like this is a this is a whole other thing. So let's talk about, you know, we gotta sort of like flex our our our, our sound design a little bit here. And that was a great warm-up, so to speak, for the High Republic. Mm. So that was that was the conversation we had a lot with I had a lot with Kevin and I had with Lucasfilm about like, okay, do we use the Star Wars theme? Like do we should we use the music? Should we, we'll, but we want to find other music and we'll work this all in. Like we want to sort of find this way to create something, something new, but something very familiar. You know, it is, it is the same universe after all, but it's a new era. So, I mean, I think very much of the prequels here, you know, the prequels introduce all this new musical identity, these new sound effects for technology, and it feels similar, but it's different enough and they can use things like the Imperial March, like the Force theme, to reinforce their own themes. So we talked a lot about that with High Republic. You know, like the Imperial March probably isn't going to show up ever in these books. Right. You know, uh, but the Force theme can. You know, like let's sort of find the moments where the familiar music can come in. The lightsabers should sound the same, but we've got all this new technology with, you know, the vectors and, and all the speeders that are theoretically new stuff so they need to have slightly new flavors and 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 uh and and new shading to them too one of the things that we were we were super lucky to have is all of the artwork that lucasfilm had prepared for for the launch oh yeah um, you know with the you know they they you know they're all the comics they're all the the, the illustrated the illustrated book um that so we were able to get access to all that stuff in the pre-production process. So as we were designing the sound effects for the vectors, 
they gave us the art for them. And we're like, oh, well, uh, okay, this, this ship is obviously going to make this kind of sound because we now know what it looks like. Oh, interesting. Uh, same thing with, uh, with character references. You know, like all of that great art from Lucasfilm that's come out since the launch and like leading up to the launch about all of the, you know, all the Jedi, the Chancellor, her, 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 her pets, mm-hmm. uh, even just the Nihil themselves, you know, like we had all of that as resources in the pre-production process. So we could show all of that to our narrators as well. I mean, like, you know, that Jedi, no one's seen yet. Here he is. So the voice has to match this illustration because this illustration is going to come out in three weeks. So, um, so we were incredibly lucky to have that kind of uh, that that the access to that kind of stuff for Star Wars, and we had a little taste of that too because we had uh, when we did the Canto Bite anthology mm-hmm. leading up to the Last Jedi, um, we had the photos, the set photos of Canto Bite, and we had the sort of like costume test images for all of those creatures that are featured in the book. So. You know, when when uh, when they're doing the voices of the, the three gambling brothers, we had them. We knew who they were visually, even though the movie hadn't come out yet. Right. So getting getting that kind of stuff from Lucasfilm is so helpful when we're in these new unexplored territories where this art's going to exist. Because it's like, yeah, we don't we don't want, you know, we don't want Loden Greatstorm to sound too different than what you think he sounds like when you see him in the comic book. Right. That is utterly fascinating. I don't think I realized at all that it was going to, you know, this level of sophistication and intensity and study. But, um, you know, I I guess that makes perfect sense considering the, you know, the newness of the initiative and, you know, wanting to kick it off right. This is awesome. And uh, we like working with Lucasfilm on this has been terrific because they've you know, they're very supportive of the, of the stuff that we create. And so, you know, they were the ones, you know, they were the, they were the ones who are, who have been slipping me information about this thing and being like, Hey, yeah, here's the stuff. Can we get this? Absolutely. Here, what do you need? All right. We're going to pause it right there. And you can probably tell by the titling of this episode that there's going to be a part two <laughs> that is coming tomorrow, but For now, that's going to do it for today's episode of the show. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the Force be with you, wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items, are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, other respective trademark and copyright holders, may the Force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.